You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Shamoon's Trojan servant gets a new comms channel. Sabre discloses a possible breach. Hospitality and travel sectors are affected. Some more things to worry about. Ultrasonic beaconing, SIM card fraud, VPN privilege escalation, and another bad app in the Play Store. But you can fix all these. Governments look to social media restrictions to control hate speech and fake news. Social media providers look to human curation and the blockchain for help. Plus, cyber espionage and influence updates from Washington to Seoul. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, May 3rd, 2017. There's some follow-up this week on the Shamoon campaign, the destructive malware attack whose successive waves have hit Saudi enterprises since 2012, most recently in late 2016. The campaign is generally believed to have been run by Saudi Arabia's regional rival Iran. The specific threat actor is called Greenbug. Researchers at Arbor Networks have been looking at Greenbug's tradecraft. In early phases of its attacks, Greenbug installs a remote-access Trojan, a rat called Isamdor, to harvest credentials from its targets. Controllers have established bidirectional communications with their rat using HTTP-based channels. But that's now changed. Greenbug now cloaks its command and control chatter in DNS text record queries and responses, a stealthier and more evasive method of communication. Sabre, the Texas-based travel and hospitality company, disclosed a possible breach in its 10-Q report filed yesterday with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. The report, which covers the quarter ending March 31, 2017, said that Sabre was investigating possible unauthorized access to payment systems. The investigation, which Krebs on Security says Sabre has entrusted to FireEye's Mandiant unit, concerns potential exposure of personally identifiable and pay card information. Sabre Synsys is used by some 32,000 properties, which themselves must now deal with the possibility of a major third-party breach. The third party in this case would be Sabre. The Vault 7 documents released by WikiLeaks included a hack of Samsung TVs, codenamed Weeping Angel, which reportedly turned the smart TV into a listening device. Craig Young is a principal security researcher at Tripwire, and he shares his own research into smart TV vulnerabilities. In research that I conducted late in 2015, just looking at a small selection of smart TVs, three brands, which I'm not going to name because we're still going through the disclosure process with these companies. Um, but basically, I found that on one of the TVs, within just a few minutes, I was able to get a root shell through some local access things. So like another issue where if somebody had a remote control, they could punch in some commands and take control over the TV. Or if they had access to a USB port on the powered up TV, 
they could plug that in and it would simulate the remote control commands uh, to get code execution on the TV. Another problem that I found on a separate model of television was actually that the services involved with doing control from your phone to the television, like for example, if you want to send up YouTube or Netflix to the TV, there was a misimplementation within that such that you could actually force the television to load any arbitrary web page. And directly this has some implications of if this television is within some sensitive area like a conference room and somebody's giving a presentation, you could certainly cause some embarrassment by flashing up some inappropriate content on the screen at the wrong time. But the risks are actually a lot more severe than that. The web browser technologies that are implemented into smart TVs they do not get updated very often, and you might get an update once a year. It might not include security fixes. So once you get the ability to force a television, a smart TV, to load an arbitrary web page, you then have a pretty good chance of being able to get it to run arbitrary code and to take over controls of that TV, whether it has a camera on it or a microphone on the remote for being able to do voice-activated commands. And this is quite a serious problem because it's not just limited to that case where I have my phone or my laptop and I'm on the same network as your TV and I can directly talk to the TV and tell it to do bad things. But also because of the nature of these technologies, it's possible that a malicious website that you browse to while on the same network as that television can relay commands over to the television and take control over it. That is a real-world possibility of a completely remote television smart TV hack. That's Craig Young from Tripwire. Research presented at the IEEE European Symposium on Security and Privacy found that ultrasonic beaconing, a marketing tool with privacy implications, is becoming increasingly common in Android applications. Some 234 current apps use it. Many of those apps are quite mainstream, used to track users and their habits, but the potential for abuse raised eyebrows at the IEEE Symposium. Users are typically quite unaware that this functionality is part of the package they installed. So restrict apps' access to your device's microphone if you don't want to be tracked. A researcher claims to have demonstrated a privileged escalation vulnerability in the demotically named VPN service Hide My Ass. But holy fundament, kids, the service is thought unlikely to patch the flaw, so CYA with care. And be careful around SIM cards, those things you can change out when you upgrade your phone or move to another carrier. Fraudulent SIM swaps are enabling criminals to take over a phone's identity and kill the phone you own. Good security hygiene is your first defense, according to Naked Security. Be alert for phishing and waterholing. Don't use obvious security questions and consider using a password manager. Keep your on-access antivirus running and up-to-date and consider switching your two-factor authentication away from SMS to an authenticator app. How do you know you've become a victim? If your phone suddenly drops to emergency-only status, be very suspicious. Another quick note, don't use the super free music player app from Google's Play Store. It's malware. Concerns over fake news has spooked service providers and emboldened various national authorities to seek ways of controlling it. China plans to establish its own state-vetted Wikipedia alternative inside the Great Firewall. 
UK MPs want a new legal review of hate speech, and Malaysia threatens WhatsApp admins with jail for spreading rumors. Facebook plans to hire 3,000 analysts to review its users' content. A startup called User Feeds is working on a technical solution. It thinks it can apply the blockchain to news discovery and social content. The future here is murky, but some are disturbed that restrictions, as opposed to counter-messaging, seems to be, as they say in social media, trending. Commenting on espionage in cyberspace, security expert and entrepreneur Eugene Kaspersky observes that everyone hacks everyone. U.S. intelligence community officials, including the directors of the FBI and NSA, are testifying about Russian influence operations before Congress this week. And in Seoul, they're not in much doubt as to who hacked South Korea's military cyber command in 2016. After nine months of investigation, prosecutors concluded that the evidence points north toward Pyongyang and the DPRK. Some 26 individuals, including the cyber command head, are expected to face disciplinary action for failing to prevent or contain the incursion. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. Joining me once again is Dale Drew. He's the chief security officer at Level 3 Communications. You know, we certainly see a lot of news about botnets, of course, the, the famous Mirai bot, botnet and, and other ones that are growing and, and blooming. But uh, you wanted to make the point that you're seeing some evolution when it comes to botnets. And quick evolution as well. I mean, you know, we, we used to see evolution of botnets every, oh, I don't know, every couple of years or so. Um, and when I say evolution, I mean a very significant change in behavior, sophistication, or capability. And now uh, between, you know, botnets like Bashlight, um, and now there's a new botnet called um, Hajimaini. Hajime. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that one tripped me up too. I got I got corrected by uh, by someone I work with who happens to know Japanese. No, it's Hajime. Hajime. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean that that botnet represents what we think a pretty significant shift in in botnet behavior and and uh, botnet capability. 
I mean, not only is it is it uh, extremely sophisticated in its code, you know, th- this botnet has got assembly language uh, built into it as an example. Hmm. It's also peer to peer. So it, it's changing the, the sort of dynamics about how a botnet operates, where botnets, for the most part, are operating where you have a sort of command and control infrastructure managing a set of of uh, nodes or you know robot nodes botnets uh and uh, having it do their do their bidding in uh, in these new botnets they're using BitTorrent uh as the uh, sort of communication protocol where every node is now a botnet node and every node is a command and control infrastructure so it's very very difficult to be able to sort of cut the head off of a botnet these days when that botnet is now sort of a flat peer-to-peer network. And, and what are you seeing in terms of the amount of traffic that these botnets are generating? You know, we, we've seen studies that show about uh, 29% of all internet traffic is bad botnet traffic. There was wow. a report that showed about half of all internet traffic is either a good botnet or a bad botnet, meaning some sort of automated system that is uh, either inventorying the internet, reaching out to end users, um, doing machine-to-machine sort of communication. Uh, but uh, about 30% of all internet traffic is bad uh, botnet traffic. You know, we're also seeing uh, the cost of botnets you know, get a lot more uh, routine-based, meaning that uh, you know, pricing of a botnet, you can rent a 65,000-node botnet for around $6,000 uh, a month. We've also seen it as low as $5 an hour. Uh, where you know someone can rent fifty thousand nodes uh, for about five dollars an hour. So these new trends in being able to to commoditize the botnet environment are putting significant motivation in the ability to make them much more sophisticated uh, and and much more difficult to take down. All right, Dale Drew, thanks for joining us. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. Say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. With Identity Orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks, migrate from one IDP to another, and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? You can try it for free today. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge, and they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hey all, Rick here. At N2K Cyberwire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. 
It only takes a few minutes, and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now.